Welcome to Shake That Soul. I'm your host, Rose Rising. This podcast is about getting in touch with your spiritual side and living intentionally. Let's get ready to laugh, ignite our creative spark, and open our minds. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode. I just want to say thank you so much for the continued support by listening to this podcast and sharing it. Some of you said it's been helping you, and I really love to hear that. I'm going to start doing interviews in June, which should be a lot of fun because I'd like to switch up the vibe from heavy self-improvement content over to exploring art, music, and some other topics. Lately, I've been doing a deep dive into my own ancestry And I might do an episode on that someday if you guys are interested in that topic. I think it's important to know where you come from and discover your roots so this way you know where you're going. But for now, this is a very important episode because I'm going to be talking about overcoming anxiety. And it just so happens to be May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And this has been observed since 1949. There's going to be a lot of great information in this episode, so listen up, and if you can, possibly take some notes. In this show, I'll talk about what anxiety is, some of the weird things we do as a result of it, and I'll even share some of my weird quirks that I have when I'm anxious. I also ask my listeners to share what crazy behaviors they have when they start to feel anxious. Then I'll talk about where the root of anxiety comes from and some healthy coping mechanisms that you can use when you're having a rough time. Emphasis on healthy, because blacking out drunk while almost choking on a Dorito is probably not the best way to cope with stress. We've all been there, right, at some point in our youth or like maybe last Tuesday. (laughs) So there's no shame in that. There's only moving forward. And here we practice self-compassion. Hopefully this will give you some insight and make you feel less alone in what you might be experiencing because you are not alone. And whether you experience anxiety 24-7 or on a rare occasion, I think this episode is still valuable to everyone because if you don't know what it's like to be severely anxious, chances are that someone you love does struggle with this. Anxiety really super sucks, doesn't it? It can really kill a party. Quick disclaimer, though, I am not a doctor. (laughs) I just play one on Grey's Anatomy. But in my coaching practice, I had tons of clients who suffered from anxiety. I've personally suffered from generalized anxiety disorder and have been around mental illness and substance abuse while growing up with my family. Some of my fellow veterans that I know have suffered from anxiety and PTSD due to serving in the military overseas. So this subject is very close to my heart and it hurts to see so many people around me suffering all of the time. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness affecting 40 million Americans. For the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to be focused on generalized anxiety disorder, 
which 6.8 million Americans have been diagnosed with, and only 43% are receiving treatment. But there are other types of disorders as well, such as panic disorder, phobias, OCD, and social anxiety disorder. It doesn't stop there either. There is an epidemic in our youth. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, almost 32% of adolescents from age 13 to 18 have had an anxiety disorder, with the rate of females with anxiety disorders being 12% higher than males. We can't deny either that the pandemic exacerbated the mental health crisis exponentially. During the pandemic, I interviewed healthcare workers, and they were especially affected. And now we still continue to live in a fast-paced society with tons of demands, distractions, and different types of ongoing stressors. And this way of life is not stopping anytime soon. I'm happy that we are slowly seeing the stigma around mental health being removed so more and more people can seek treatment in a variety of ways and just in general become more knowledgeable about it so they can help others learn how to overcome it. The very broad and general definition of anxiety is fear and worrisome thoughts, which result in a lot of different physical symptoms. Most of it is anticipatory, so we are worried about the future. I thought it was really interesting because when I googled what is the opposite of anxiety, one word was calm and the other word was confidence. Confidence being the opposite of anxiety made me think that part of no longer feeling anxious is because we feel we are prepared to deal with situations that come our way. But not only that, it made me think about times when I feel the most anxious. And that's usually when I don't have faith in myself or when I lack confidence in general. But anxiety is not bad at all times. Anxiety serves a purpose. It can alert us to danger. Sometimes we do want to be in a heightened state of awareness so we can protect ourselves. Have you ever known someone who is just completely floating around? Like they're just oblivious (laughs) to their surroundings? That's not good either. You want to strike a balance with this. It's just that we can't remain in fight or flight 24-7 because that's when it becomes detrimental to us. Sometimes anxiety is our intuition kicking in too, warning us that we should avoid a certain person or situation. You know when you're around a certain person and your heart rate goes up? It makes me think of that episode, you know, of The Office when Michael Scott goes near uh, Stanley (laughs) and then his blood pressure goes through the roof. Anxiety warns us when we have to avoid certain things. Some of the symptoms of anxiety can include sweaty palms, heart racing, feeling like you're going to black out, panicking, breathing fast. It is genuinely the worst feeling ever. I've had severe panic attacks where I felt like I was going to die and there's really no scarier feeling in the world. And I'm sure some of you can relate to that. It's terrifying. 
where does anxiety come from? There are so many different factors in this. It can be from chemical imbalances in the brain, trauma, a poor diet loaded with processed foods and sugar, hormonal and thyroid imbalances, and it can come from our own bad habits like procrastinating. It can also come from constant overstimulation. There's a constant bombardment of information, and by being dialed in 24-7, we're being presented with so many choices on a daily basis, and we live in a fast-paced society where we are disconnected from our natural biological rhythms. And I think anxiety can be attributed largely to not feeling good enough by comparison, by not feeling like you did enough today because of hustle culture. More is always better. People measure themselves by what they achieve versus who they are as people. And many of us are addicted to the constant influx of little dopamine awards. We're just hamsters on a wheel hopping off occasionally to get that next treat and that next form of external validation. There's just so much coming at us. We don't feel like we really stand a chance. We worry too about things that are going to happen. Like I said earlier, anxiety is largely anticipatory. And in a study at Cornell University, they studied these people over an extended period of time And only the things that people worried about, 15% of those things actually happened. Okay, so you're thinking, wow, there's still 15% of bad stuff. But during these negative events, a majority of the people handled the situation way better than they thought they would. My point being, you might be more resilient than you think you are and handle difficult situations better than you thought you would. So give yourself some credit there's still a whopping 85% where everything turns out just fine. So you can focus on that. And I think there's another quote out there that says, oh, 95% of stuff you worry about doesn't happen, but I couldn't find any actual scientific evidence backing that. Another thought that I had was that guilt can be a major precursor to anxiety. I had the realization that I have this terrible habit that when I'm working really hard and ignoring everything else, I have guilt that I'm not focusing on my relationships or doing other stuff that I should be doing. And then when I'm relaxing and enjoying myself, I feel guilty that I should be working and being productive. So I'm like, well, this is a lose-lose situation. (laughs) Now, whatever I'm doing, I'm trying to consciously being in the moment of what I'm doing instead of feeling bad about it because the guilt made me feel anxious and it stops me from being present. Okay, so now is the fun part. (laughs) I'm going to out myself on all the weird things I do because of my anxiety. And I bet some of you might be able to relate to these because you probably do them too. So I'd love to hear your comments, uh, you know, on the socials and let me know if you do some of these things. Okay. First off, I pee a lot. (laughs) Yes. Like every time I get super anxious, I have to like pee and 
constantly. Like, I don't even know where it's coming from. And I especially do this before festivals. I don't know what it is. I get this. This is a good type of anxiety because I'm partially like excited about going, but I'm also anxious about like the social part of it. So, um, because sometimes crowds can freak me out. Uh, so another thing I do, there's a long list, so hang in there <laughs> of fidgeting. Uh, if I ever get like nails, like what a waste of money, acrylic nails. Cause I'll just flick them until I, you know, they break off because it's just like a nervous habit. I'll get really quiet out of nowhere. Um, I'll repeatedly check my purse over and over again to make sure I have stuff that I already know that I have. It's just like some weird comfort thing. Uh, I'll start raiding the cabinet and eating snacks. So I know some people use food as comfort. That's not out of the norm. Procrasta shopping is what I call it. I'll start to online shop and then I'll load everything in the cart, but I won't buy it which I think that's not too bad, right? I'm not, you know, at least I'm not loading the car and buying a bunch of stuff that I don't need. Another thing I like to do is hang out in the bathroom. I don't know what it is, but the bathroom is really comforting to me. And I tell my friends, like, I swear I don't have IBS. (laughs) I'm just calming myself down because if I'm around too many people or just like too much stimulation for too long, Uh, I get overwhelmed. So I'll go into the bathroom and I'll just kind of hang out and like calm down and take a break. I also have to lay down with a blanket. I call it my mental hospital blanket. (laughs) And um, yes, weighted blankets can definitely help with anxiety. Another issue that I have is that I hate flying in an airplane. I'm just terrible at it. I really envy people who can just get on a plane with no problem, but I get claustrophobic and every little bump freaks me out. I'm like, we're going to (laughs) die. So I, uh, one of the things that comforts me specifically is I listen to Porter Robinson. I don't know why that specifically, but I'll listen to his songs and I have the same songs that I listen to over and over again for takeoff and for landing. And that seems to, you know, to do the trick. I also have some, you know, I'll download podcasts and I have to have my favorite hoodie and a pashmina with me for comfort. So I'll just wrap myself and my hoodie and my pashmina and kind of block everything out when I'm in there you know, on the airplane to deal with my anxiety. I also start just cleaning the hell out of everything. For some reason, cleaning gives me a feeling of control. So it's like everything is clean. I've got my life under control. Everything's going to be okay. So those are some of the weird things that I do, or maybe they're normal. I don't know. But some of the things my listeners shared with me, uh, is they actually do buy a bunch of stuff they don't need. They load their cart and they press buy. <laughs> uh, rewatching comfort shows. That's a big one because the predictability of watching a show is unlike life. Life is really unpredictable. So again, it's that false sense of control that we get from watching these shows over and over and over again and just binging them. It could be too for like listening to the same songs, the same podcasts over and over because it's familiar and it's really easy to do. Smoking is another one. 
even though people know that smoking is bad for them, they feel like this is the only true time that they can breathe. And it's just like a reminder to pause. Twirling hair, lots of hair twirling, I've heard, and fidgeting, kind of spazzing out and foot tapping, (laughs) checking and rechecking the phones, obsessively checking social media. A lot of people also said they get super quiet and antisocial all of a sudden. This is really funny, but when listeners said they blurt out weird phrases or hang on to a word and just say it a lot in conversations out of context. So it's almost like having Tourette syndrome, but like quoting old vines or TikToks at really inappropriate times. So (laughs) that's got to be really weird. You're just having a conversation and they're like, Chipotle is my life. (laughs) Another one is purposely keeping clutter around because in a strange way, clutter can bring comfort. And I can relate to that because when I'm in a creative state, it's just chaos. And then when I'm out of that creative state, I'll go ahead and clean everything up. Overthinking is another one. So one of my listeners asked me, how do I overcome overthinking and obsessing? And I think the way to overcome overthinking is to take an action because you're stuck in a loop. And that could be because you're afraid or you're so afraid of making a mistake. But sometimes doing nothing at all is the biggest mistake because you need to move forward, right? You're stuck in a loop. So maybe think of one single action that you can take to move forward in the direction that you want to go in. Another listener said, I obsess over what people think of me and that makes my anxiety worse. I can relate to this one too. I think it's a good thing that when you get older, Well, for most people, you start to care less and less what people think of you. And the earlier you get to that mindset, the better. So maybe I should devote a whole episode to learning not to care about what other people think about you. What do you guys think about that? While this stuff is funny, anxiety can really get to a terrifying level and we have to find ways to prevent it from escalating to that point. Let's get into healthy ways to cope. Now, if you are having severe anxiety, sometimes the best course of action is to talk to a mental health professional about getting therapy and exploring the idea of getting on medication, either one or both of those in conjunction. But even with medication and therapy, nothing is going to work perfectly 100% of the time. So it's good to have extra tools in your toolkit. I've personally gone to therapy and I've also used medication to get me over the hump when I've gone through super difficult times in my life. But I find that taking a holistic approach and tackling mental health from a mind, body and spirit approach is the best way to maintain results long-term. Also, let's be realistic. Our healthcare system is not the greatest and some people don't have access to care. So you truly have to be your own advocate. I encourage you to do your own research first before jumping right into medication, because like with everything else, 
risk is involved, such as dealing with side effects and possible addiction. It may also take trial and error, so you may have to try a couple of different medications to see what works. So it's not going to be this super fast process with immediate results. So you have to be patient with yourself and know that investing in yourself is the best investment you can make. It takes time to heal and it also takes time to cultivate new healthy habits. There may be days when you forget your meds or you can't access a therapist. Maybe your friends or family might not be around for support. So you have to be your own ally and have other tools readily available to you. I'm going to share some healthy distractions and tools to use. Things that you can use when you are in a high state of anxiety. The first and most important one is the breath. One of the simplest, most accessible things is our breath. It is our life force and our return back to center. A simple way to calm yourself is through deep breathing. So try this. Inhale for four seconds. Hold your breath for another four seconds. And then exhale for six seconds. Breath is accessible at any time. So remember, four, four, six. And you can do this in your car. You can literally do this anywhere. Sometimes we just need to calm down our nervous system. So put yourself in a timeout. Like I said, one of my favorite little tricks is just to isolate, but in a healthy way. You know, go hang out in the bathroom, go lay down with your favorite blanket. Another tool I like to use is I bring a journal with me. And if I'm having a rough day where I'm feeling anxious, I just start writing out all of my negative feelings. And it's a good way just to let it all out without harming anybody else in the process. Another good tool is to just go for a walk. A simple walk can do wonders. You can stretch too, take out a yoga mat. If you don't have a mat, just use a blanket and just lay on the floor and get a good stretch when you're feeling anxious. Some of you may already be familiar with anchoring and grounding techniques, such as the 333 rule. So that's when you're feeling super anxious. What you need to do is identify three things that you see, three things that you hear, and then move three parts of your body. You need to bring it back into your body because sometimes when we get super anxious and afraid, we start to disassociate and we lose the anchor of our body. Or you can also use the five, four, three, two, one grounding technique. It's a lot more to remember, but when you're panicking, identify five things that you can see, four things that you can touch, three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. And that also helps bring you back into your body. Okay, so here's a good one. Next time you're in a really rough spot and you're feeling anxious, let your inner child come out to play. And I know that's hard when you're feeling super anxious, but just stop everything that you're doing 
have a spontaneous dance party in the kitchen, just put some music on, maybe bust out some crayons and color. Just let your inner child out because adulting can truly suck sometimes. For my birthday, my friend had sent me an adult coloring book and it was actually a coloring book of penises. <laughs> when I opened the box, I laughed so hard and I was like, I can use this anytime I'm feeling like really bad. Just bust out the coloring books and the art supplies and get down to business. Another thing to do is to limit your time in places that trigger you. A place like that for me is the mall. I give myself a time limit in places like malls and grocery stores because they send me into a complete tailspin. I went on vacation recently and I was totally relaxed. And then I decided, oh, I should go shopping because I'm in a new city and I need to take advantage. And then while I was in the mall, I almost had a panic attack. So I think you just got to know what your triggers are. And if you're being overstimulated and you don't like bright lights and super loud music in a certain context, then limit your time with that. Of course, there's always the option to reach out to a friend or a family member. And I never want to be that person that is draining and always, you know, asking somebody else for help. But you should have somebody that you can call once in a while when you hit a rough spot, somebody that you can trust. A huge, huge important thing is to watch your diet. A lot of people don't think that diet has to do with anxiety, but it does play a huge role because if your blood glucose levels are off, it can trigger you. You need to make sure you're getting enough fiber, B9, B12, magnesium, and omega-3s. Processed foods and sugars are inflammatory and can affect your mental health. You can also try herbal remedies like CBD and ashwagandha, but of course, always check with your doctor. But a lot of people have had success with ashwagandha, and it can help with sleep and focus as well. Pro tip, always have snacks on hand at all times. Now, I don't know about you, but I am a mean person when I'm extremely hungry. So I, you know, you have to keep protein bars or something substantial with you just in case, you know, you start to get shaky and start to break down that can cause anxiety. Some more suggestions, give meditation a try. And I know it, meditation is actually hard for some people to do. So consider taking an in-person class instead of using an app because the goal should be to be able to do things without using your phone because the phone is a big culprit for making you feel anxious. Okay, so we need to talk about this. Nobody wants to hear this, but you know, the holy trifecta, which is weed, caffeine and alcohol, they can absolutely create anxiety for you. Have you heard of the term hangxiety? While you're drinking alcohol, it can temporarily make you feel relief from stress, right? It's the social lubricant. But the day after, it can cause even more anxiety because large amounts of alcohol consumption disrupt your GABA production. And GABA is responsible for making you feel relaxed. You initially get that serotonin and dopamine boost from alcohol. 
It initially gets our brains to produce more dopamine, but during alcohol withdrawal, dopamine starts to get depleted and then you feel like crap. So moderation is the key, right? (laughs) Caffeine is an obvious one. If you're all jacked up on Red Bulls all day long, that's a one-way ticket on the anxiety train. Long-term high caffeine use can also deplete your adrenals and that can eventually lead to chronic fatigue. Been there, done that. I stayed up till 4 a.m. in college writing papers and I paid the price for that and I had to cut back on caffeine. And lastly, weed. Okay, so similarly to alcohol, you get that initial boost, but to some people, long-term weed usage can exacerbate anxiety. It's different for everyone. So listen, I'm not asking you to give everything up, but consider the possibility that some of your habits may be hurting you. And it might be good just to take a break and see how it affects you. What if you give up a few things and you start to actually feel better? Just food for thought. You can still have fun sober. And I've recently seen more and more people at least be open to trying sobriety, even temporarily. And I think it can have a positive effect on you. Some other things to do, get some sunlight, really just get out in nature, get that vitamin D. And even if you live in this city, cities have parks, you can still go and just put your feet in the grass and be outside. That's been scientifically proven. Nature does help with stress. You can use an aromatherapy diffuser or take Bach flower essences. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that, but there is a formula called Rescue Remedy, and that's good to take if you experience panic. Exercise. I mean, that's a no-brainer, but I think the key is to find the right type of exercise that you enjoy. Maybe weights is not your thing. Maybe you need to do high-intensity vinyasa yoga or Pilates is your thing. I think the important thing is to figure out what it is that you like, so this way you're motivated. Some people might like going to the gym. Others might like taking more of a structured class. So once you find what you really love, you'll be more motivated to get that exercise in every day. Turn off electronics, turn off the TV, do a technology detox, work in regular breaks from your phone, from apps, just set a boundary with it. Say after 930, I'm going to read, I'm going to stretch, I'm just going to get off of my phone for the evening. Be willing to try a bunch of different things to find out what is going to work for you because everyone is different. You may have to Try several different types of treatments and habits to overcome anxiety, but it's really worth it in the end. If you're suffering now, know that it's temporary because everything is temporary. I hope you can take this information, do some digging, and get the support that you need. If you found this to be helpful, please share this with your friends. I may also turn my podcast content into eBooks for those to, you know, who prefer to have written material to refer back to. I've been writing a ton lately. I'm just kind of on a roll and I want to continue to crank out some useful content for you guys.
All right, that was kind of intense. <laughs> we are getting towards the end of the episode, and it's time to pull some oracle cards for you guys just for fun. However, if you feel like you need a more in-depth professional reading, I am opening my book soon to take phone appointments for readings. So feel free to reach out to me at shakethatsoul@gmail.com at gmail.com if you have questions about that or you would like to book an appointment with me. I brought two decks, the Prism Oracle and the Numinous Astro deck because I've been nerding out on astrology lately. And I'm going to pull, let's see, five cards. So we got stop, rest, and flow, and Mercury in the fourth house. I'm going to pull two more for the future. We've got movement and determination. That's really great. What this looks like to me is that Perhaps it's time to take a temporary pause. Maybe you need to rest. Uh, You've been burning the candle at both ends, some of you. And in this period of rest, you'll come out on the other end, like I said, with determination and movement. But you do need to take this pause just to recuperate and also to focus on your home, your family, Fourth house also relates to your self-care as well. So it's all in alignment. It's also a good time to maybe do some journaling, do some inward introspection. But I see after this period of rest and recuperation that the best approach is going to be going with the flow because we got the flow card. Not feeling like you have to be in control of everything, which is really difficult. And I had talked about that earlier. So it's kind of on point. You know, we don't really have control over everything. We have to just go with the flow. And also to the uh, lunar eclipse is coming uh, this weekend, May 5th, I believe. And then Mercury retrograde is ending on May 14th. So there's a lot of intense energy. It is a good time to reflect and to redo and re-review things that may have not been working for you in the past. So in the future, things go more smoothly for you. All right, we made it. We made it to the end. Thank you so much for hanging in there. I appreciate you listening all the way through. If you'd like to come on the show, let me know. Or if you want to give me some feedback and suggestions on what you'd like to hear, I'd be so happy to work on that for you and bring it to the future episodes. You can follow me on Instagram at Rose Rising. Send me a message at shakethatsoul at gmail.com or call me at 928-351-7724. I can't wait to hear from you guys. I hope you have a beautiful week. I hope you do take that time to get a temporary pause and get that rest and relaxation in so you can go back out into the world and share your light.